for Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one by whom we are saved. Amen. Amen. Are you happy to be in church? I'm blessed to be here this morning. I'm blessed for this privilege to stand and bring the word of God to you. It's, it's an honor I don't take lightly. I want to salute the leadership of the house, our father, Reverend Dr. Anthony Kujo, all the facilitators, our boss, Uncle Bijou, and to you all. Like Auntie Gina said, at least when I remount the pulpit, you don't run away. And if we stand here and you are not here, it's not church. Amen. And we will never settle for less. We know there's more that's found in you. And we will never settle for less. We know there's more that's found in you. tells us in uh, Philippians chapter 2, he says, for me to repeat these things unto you, it's not, it's not grievous to me. When I like, I like listening to things over and over again, and I like playing things over and over again. So if you sit in my car, you get bored. If you take my phone, you get bored. I have one playlist. I play it. I don't usually change it. It's because there are different dimensions to this thing. Amen. And there are deeper depths. One of the things that I want you guys to know is that, see, there are only two things that God ever sat down to intricately design. One was the temple. The other was man. And the reason being is that these are the only two things that God wants to occupy. So all of you, all of you is designed for God to use. When people say worship is not an emotional something, sometimes I disagree. Because God puts the emotions there to facilitate the worship. So cry, laugh, do it. God created it for a reason. Amen. Amen. That's just a side note. Okay, so good morning. Uh, This morning, um, 
I, I was, initially I was wrestling with what to title today's message. At the end of the day, I concluded with secure your position. So this morning, we are talking about securing your position. So if you've been in church for the past four weeks, you realize that we've, we've been on a journey and we've been talking about growth and discipleship. Growth and discipleship. You see, it is imperative that we grow. Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, As newborn babies, desire ye the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. There are only two people who were, who were born, came, appeared on the surface of the earth, and appeared as full-grown beings. Adam and Eve. After Adam and Eve, everyone goes through the process. So you are born, you have to grow. When God was creating you, your spirit man, he had an agenda for you at a mature level. But you still have to go through the process and grow and come to that point. Jesus, the savior of the world, came to the earth. He came as a baby. But the Bible tells us, and the child grew. See, babies are cute. Babies are adorable. Girls like babies. Right? Oh, what a cute little girl. Then, then they'll be squeezing the baby's cheeks, carrying the baby, kissing the baby. Yeah. My wife likes kissing babies. She says it makes them receptive to love. I don't know where they got it from. <laughs> yeah. Then they'll be touching them. Guys, we are trying to like babies. We are trying. Yeah. Because we, we, we can accommodate them as long as they are quiet. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is us, guys. When the baby is quiet, we love it. When it's crying, get your thing. <laughs> Amen. See, but if after three years, four years, five years, the baby is still a baby, there's a problem. Because, like I said earlier, babies do not contribute to the socioeconomic development of a country. Babies don't pay taxes. They can't work. They can't do anything. They eat and sleep and poo-poo. And eat and sleep and poo-poo. Then they are wasting diapers. They are wasting money. (laughs) Eh? But God doesn't want us to stay as babies. Because the longer you stay as a baby, you become a liability in the kingdom of God. You are taking resources and you are not growing. Dr. Otterbaugh recounts the story of how his first daughter began to walk. How many of you have heard that story before? He says he was more itinerant than he used to go out preaching a lot. And the daughter was one year plus, still not walking. He was, as a father, he was worried. He went to preach in Nigeria, came back. He asked the wife, is she working now? He says, no. He removed, you know his three pieces. He removed the top one, put the side. He says, you, you will walk today. <laughs> the mother was, oh, leave the baby. The baby walked that day. <laughs> you see, we need to grow. Because he, as a father, was getting worried that the baby was not growing. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible tells us that ye no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of men that lie in wait to deceive. When the enemy comes to deceive, when he sends his people to come and deceive, they don't come to deceive the strong ones. They are looking for the babies, the low lying fruits. When you go to a mango tree and there are fruits that are low lying, ones that you can just stretch and take, no one bothers to take sticks and stones to throw. They just pick the one that is low lying and they walk away. If you are not coming to throw, what if you go and buy somebody's car glass and those things? You just pick the low lying food, then you walk away. The dogs will not chase you. Because the enemy knows if he comes to somebody like Uncle Bijou, Uncle Bijou can face him with scripture and those things. But low lying food, you've been in the church, you've not grown, you've not matured, you are still there. Just get out there, let's go. It just takes you away. That is why we need to grow. 
it is important that you move from the baby level to come to the mature man. Because then you, you become a low-lying fruit if you are not growing. I keep telling people, if this is the line, and you get born again, at the starting line, forget about everybody. When they say, close your eyes, run as fast as you can from the starting line. Become serious, hot, work in God's house, do everything to grow. You are protecting yourself. So the Bible asks us that what? We should desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, there's another instruction given. It says, 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen. So, we've been asked to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow. That's the first instruction, grow. It's a general instruction, grow. But when we come to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the instruction gets more specific. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we've been asked to grow now. They've asked us to grow in something, grace and knowledge. So we are going to explore dimensions of grace. Amen. And why we must grow in grace. The, the Hebrew word translated grace is Cain. Depending on the school you went to. It's K-H-A-N-E. The Hebrews actually don't pronounce the, the K. It's hey. So, but if you went to Ghana school like me and you see K-H-A-N-E, it's Cain. Right. And the, and the Greeks... The Greek word is charis, right? If, you ask, if I ask you today, what is, the, what is grace? The answer is automatic, God's unmerited favor. We, we rattle it without thinking it. It has been taught over a period. It is true. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That definition comes from what uh, Bible scholars call the law of first mention. The law of first mention is the definition you give to a word based on its first appearance in the Bible and the context in which it is used. Today we are in Bible school. We are doing Bible study. And the context in which it is used. So the first appearance of grace in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. In the context of Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells that God was angry with the way the world has been because the heart of man was continually wicked always. And God was about to destroy the earth. But Bible tells us that but God, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. So in the, in the first mention of the word grace, grace acts as God's unmerited favor. Noah did nothing to merit it. God, Noah found grace in the sight of God. And that has been the, the, the definition we have given to grace over a period. And it is true, even in the New Testament, grace appears sometimes as God's unmerited favor. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. When it comes to the issue of salvation, there is nothing you and I did to qualify. Hmm. This issue of salvation, all you did was accept and believe. And that is not good enough work for salvation. But Christ has made it so. You can't say that you are a good boy. I'm still a virgin, so I qualify for salvation. The best man on his best day qualifies for hell. When, when you have worked hard the whole week that you did not sin, outside of Jesus Christ, outside of grace, you qualify for hell. So sometimes you hear people, last time, my wife is very compassionate. She thinks about people. Last time she was telling me that she prays for this lady, Ellen DeGeneres, that she has a good heart, she's a kind person, but the only thing is that if she doesn't repent, she'll go to hell. And that is the truth. Outside of the grace of God, we all qualify for hell. You can be good, give things to the poor, be, be, be like Mahatma Gandhi, fight for your country. If you do not receive grace and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that God raised him from the dead and accept him to be your Lord and Savior, you are on the fastest route to hell. That is it. 
But you see, when we explore scripture, the Bible opens up this issue of grace to us. There are, there are dimensions of grace that go beyond God's unmerited favor. And I want us to look at that this morning. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So Peter is telling us that we have received a gift, we should minister, but we are what? Stewards of the manifold grace of God. What he's telling us is that the grace of God has many sides. Manifold is old English. It's King James English. When you say something, it's manifold. That means it has many sides. When you take a paper and you fold it, it gets a side. When you fold it again, it gets another side. So when you fold it, it becomes what? Manifolded. So it's what? Manifold. The manifold grace of God. So Peter is telling us that we are custodians of the grace of God, which has many sides, many functions in its operation. The NIV version of the Bible puts it this way. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we are stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the grace of God has various forms and sides to its operation. It's not just God's unmerited favor. When you operate at just the unmerited favor, you are limiting yourself. Amen. So let's look at some of the operations of grace. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says that by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise master builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. The next one, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace that was with me. So Paul here, in these two verses that I just read, 1 Corinthians 3.10, 1 Corinthians 15.10, he's talking about the grace of God, but he's talking about the grace of God in the context of his call as an apostle. The anointing that he has to operate as an apostle, he calls his grace. Maybe you have been called to, to be a lawyer, to be a doctor. What, what you, you need primarily, yeah, you need qualification in school, but you need grace to function. Paul said that I am what I am. What I do standing here to minister unto you this morning, it is not because of Bible school. It is not because I'm intelligent. No, it is grace. It is because I have received a certain grace that allows me to stand here and function in my role as a facilitator. Paul is saying that you see me as an apostle. In Romans chapter 1 verse 5, he says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience unto the faith. So Paul is saying that there is a dimension of grace that acts as the anointing. What we call the anointing, Paul is calling grace. May you receive the grace of God. Put your hand on your head and say, I receive grace. I receive the grace to function. I receive the grace to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we see another dimension of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I like this one. It says that, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was rich, but he became poor. So that through that grace that has been made available, we through his poverty might become rich. Some people teach this and say that, oh, it's not, it's not going to poverty or spirit. No, if you read the context, it's money. Just money, money matters that they were talking in that context. There is a grace that has been made available to provide for Christians, to provide for the children of God. I don't know about you, but I am in dire need of this grace at work in my life. If you need this grace, so I want you to put your hand on your hand and say, Father, give me grace. Hey. There are things that you must have. There are provisions that must be made available for you. And Paul is saying that we, there is a grace in Christ, that brings these things that we need. Enough of the daily dallying poverty mentality. No, there's grace. 
There's grace. There's also a grace that empowers us against sin and weaknesses. One of the things I hate in Christendom, and I hate it with a passion, is when you are advising a Christian brother or a Christian sister about their bad habits, and they say, that is how I am. If, if, if you start like that, then the guy in me, <laughs> then the, the near jete in me wants to come to the forefront. How, why are you like that? Christ will accept you as you are, but you will not go the same. Amen. So there is a grace that comes to work in us to help us in our weaknesses and against sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is is talking about someone. He's, He's referring to himself in the third person. Here's the reason why. He wants to talk about something deep that has happened in his life. He says, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the flesh or in the spirit, I do not know. But such a one was caught up into the third heavens. This is from where we know that maybe there are three levels of the heavens because of Paul saying. He said that he was caught up into the third heavens and he was showed things that is not lawful for a man to utter. So he's saying that, don't boast. Me, I've been to hell. But he was referring to himself in the third person. Why? Because he has seen some time back, that he and, uh, was it Barnabas? He and Barnabas went to preach. And the people came and cast their, and started giving them sacrifice and said, hey, the gods have come to us in the form of men. So, so to prevent such a thing from happening again, Paul is referring to himself in the third person. I'm taking it from the verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I'm reading from verse 7 to 9. He says, unless that I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul is saying that he had a weakness. There was something that was troubling him. Maybe pornography is troubling you. Masturbation is troubling you. Fornication is troubling you. Stealing is troubling you. Cheating in exams is troubling you. You have tried and tried and tried. He says, I sought the Lord three times concerning this. God's answer, my grace is sufficient for you. That means God is telling that what the answer to your problem is not that I take you out of the problem. The answer to your problem is grace. There is a grace to strengthen. There is a grace to keep you. Somebody put your hand on your head. Father, give me grace. Father, give me grace. Oh, see, there were times where we have struggled with sin. As the facilitators note, we've struggled with certain things in our lives before. The only answer was grace. You cry and cry and cry. I had a friend. The the hormones were raging. He he went to the park. Prayed. He said, God, if you can switch it off. So that when I'm about to marry, you put it back on. (laughs) But no. (laughs) As for the on and on, it will still come. But there is grace. I, I receive grace. See? This is why I get annoyed when people say that is how I am. There is grace for you to change. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says that, For we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What he's saying is that Jesus Christ, our high priest, he is like you and I. Don't ever say that Jesus does not understand what you are going through. My brother, my sister, you are being tempted by young people. Jesus was once a teenager. There were young girls in Galilee. The, the girls on the streets of Nazareth were fine. Mm. You think today that people started polishing and doing jewelry? It was there long ago. When he was the street of Galilee, they saw him. When he was helping his father in the carpentry shop, and the girls were bringing their, their stuff. Oh, oh, Jesus, can't you make a small doll for me? Can't you do this for me? He was seeing it. He was going through the struggles. 
The Bible says that he, he, we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all ways tempted, and the Bible does not lie. It's the Bible says he was in all ways tempted. Were you tempted to steal? Jesus also saw the money in his mother's purse. He saw the money in Mary's purse. He saw it. It could have bought him a year. I don't know what they were eating that day. Maybe kebab or... <laughs> Uh, bread and fish. That, that was their uh, shawarma then. <laughs> but he resisted. The Bible says he was in always tempted, yet without sin. He says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. There is a throne. The name of the throne is grace. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy. Two things that we get when we come to the throne of grace. Mercy. Yes, you are falling. You are falling in sin. We said don't do with a girl. You have done. Come to the throne of grace. Don't, don't, don't watch porn. You have gone to watch. Don't enter a relationship. You have entered a relationship and you have done the don't do. But after that, he says, come to the throne of grace. There are two things available. Number one is mercy. You will be pardoned. You will be forgiven. But you see, most of us come for the mercy and we go back. Oh, I've been forgiven. Then you go again. Then you come. <laughs> but he says that there is another, there is another reality behind the mercy. He says that you might find grace to help you in time of need. So the same place that you fell, you have to go to God. Say, God, I fell here. When the boy touches me this way, it's like things are doing me. <laughs> what? Well, well, when the girl comes to my room and there's nobody in the room. But, but when you stay at the throne of grace, he will give you grace to help you in a time of need. He said, I was telling a group of the youth that, see, when I tell you the story about the girl that came to strip naked in my room and I walked out, it's not that the girl was not nice. So the girl was my specs. Oh no, the girl was, the girl was, see, the, this is somebody that I had been timing for a while. Oh no, you see, if, if I say that I ran away, maybe you think that it wasn't tempting. No, it was fair. Fair. The breasts were firm, standing. But some, some, some time during the vacation, I knew what my problem was. So I came to God. God, this back and forth Christianity, I can't do again. You, you have to give me grace. So whilst you people were, whilst my mates were on vacation, chilling, I was fasting and praying, asking God for grace. So one day, the, the girl came, stripped naked. Look at the thing. But you see, the place where I would have fallen, I had received grace. There was grace to help in the time of my need. So you see, when she said, hey, she, she said, if I don't do, she'll shout. And you know, Ghana, if they shout per guy, you are guilty. Nobody asks anything. Then, then the grace of God kicked in. The grace of God kicked in. I said, see, what you have asked is not a hard thing. But let's not have unprotected sex. Let me go and buy a condom and come. But when I went outside, I ran away. I never came back. <laughs> this is the grace of God. You see, and because I have received grace in that area, I was telling a cross-section of the UT, any of you, the girls here, if you ever come to me in a circular area and you strip naked, and you see me removing my belt, don't get excited. I'm about to lash you. <laughs> eh? There is grace to help you in time of need. What, do you, what is your need in this life? Is it to pass the exams? There is grace to pass the exams. You don't need to cheat to pass the exams. Is it... Is it, is it to, to move to the next level in life. To be, to be a successful person. You don't need to cut corners. You don't need to burn corners. In your time of need, remember there is grace. There's always grace. See, 
And, and Paul talks about a certain level of grace that, that I fall in love with. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We are still laying our foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. You see, there are people that are walking in levels of grace. But Paul is saying that, they are, that he's praying not for you to walk in a level, that you might what, receive all grace. When all grace is at work in your life, he said that you have sufficiency in all things. Sufficiency in all things is not just manual, that in your time of need, you have strength. Whenever you are going through trouble, whether you have to function as a minister, there is the grace. When you need money, there is the grace. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. This morning, put your hand on your head and may God let all grace abound towards you. I prophesy to somebody this morning, in your time of need, you will receive grace. When things are tough, you will receive grace. In the time of financial difficulty, may you receive grace. May the grace of God abound towards you. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So with all these diverse manifestations and, and, and operations of grace, what is really grace? What is grace? This is my attempt to define grace. Grace is any spiritual reality that God makes available to the believer. That is routed through the person of Jesus Christ. Any spiritual reality that God makes available to the believer, that is routed through the person of Jesus Christ. Let's explain it. So we've talked about the anointing to function, which is grace. Provision, which is grace. Strength to help you in the time of need, which is grace. Strength to keep you from falling, which is grace. All of these things are what? Spiritual realities. That God makes available to you and I, believers, through the person of Jesus Christ. So it's like internet access, right? When, the, do you know, as we sit here, there's, there are a lot of things moving in the air right now, right? But for you to be connected to the internet, you, we need a router in this place. And we must connect to the router to have access to the internet. So when it comes to the issue of grace, it's any spiritual reality that God has made available that we can only receive when we are connected in Christ Jesus. So the forgiveness of sins, it is grace. Strength to walk in holiness, it is grace. But you can only receive it when we are connected to Jesus Christ. Let me, let me give you one scripture to prove this. John chapter 1, 16 to 17. John chapter 1, 16 to 17. It says, and of his fullness we have received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It says, of his fullness, of whose fullness? Christ. Of Christ's fullness we received grace. Grace for what? Grace. The first level of grace is what we have been calling unmerited favor. The unmerited favor is what we call access, the, grace, the access level of grace. It is the, the level of grace that gives you access into the things of God. But when you gain access, what are you gaining access to? You are gaining access into deeper dimensions of grace. So it is of Christ's fullness that we receive grace for grace. Amen. Amen. And lastly, I want to tell you that grace is a person. And Christ is the embodiment of grace. Titus chapter 2, 11 to 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and, ungod and, and godly in this present age. So the grace of God appeared in bodily form in Jesus Christ. Now the instruction from the second Peter 3, 18 was what? Grow in grace. What it means is that grace has levels. Whenever you are asked to grow in something, it means that that particular area has levels to it. Right. And when you do basic multiplication in class, there is, there is a number and there is a factor for multiplying. 
So 9 times 3 means that the factor for multiplying is 3. Right? So we got what? 27. Nice. There are some sharks in the room. Eh. Same way. There is a multiplying factor for grace. When you are born again, you have entry-level grace. But there is a multiplying factor that increases the grace that is at work in your life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Growing in grace. Growing in grace. Growing in grace. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. We'll read to verse 3. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So it says, grace and peace can be multiplied. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Be yours. The Amplified says, grace and peace be yours in ever increasing measure. Be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So the grace of God can be multiplied. The multiplying factor is the knowledge of God. So God has asked us to grow in grace. How do we grow in grace? It is to grow in him. When we ask you to do your quiet time, it is not for fun. Yes, you have done the I receive, I receive, I receive, but there is work to do. It says, the more we grow in the knowledge of Christ, the more you grow in your, in your quiet time, you grow in your Bible reading, you spend time fellowshipping with the Spirit. What happens is that Christ is revealed to you. Last week's message, that Christ wants to reveal himself to you. The back story is that when he reveals himself to you, what you get as a result is that there is grace delivered to you. When Christ reveals himself to you, the more Christ is revealed to you, the more access to grace that you have. The more dimensions of grace, the deeper dimensions of grace you walk in. So when you spend time in the, in, in the secret place, praying, speaking in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourselves up, you are building up your spirit man. Christ is being revealed in you. You are spending time reading the Bible. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we beholding with an open face as in a glass, the image of God are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even us by the Spirit. So when we come to the Word of God, the glory of God is shown to us. The image of God is shown to us. And as we stay in his word, we are transformed to that same image from glory to glory. And Christ is being formed in you. till so you come to the, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And when the fullness of Christ is revealed in you, of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. It's a simple mathematical equation. When, when the more you stay in the word, the more grace is revealed to you, the more grace you receive. At the point, I mean, honestly, at the point, I wasn't struggling to study in school. It's not because I was born smart. It's because it was grace. People who study, ah, Bethman, he'll be in the streets preaching, doing evangelism, going door to door. But I know I have grace. When I come, tell God, God, we are about to study you. This exam it is for you and I. I am in you, you are in me. If we fail, we are failed. Grace is released to study. My classmates will come, you there, God is cheating for you. I say, he's cheating for you. Who? It's grace. Grace at work. It helps in my time of need. See, I've written exams here. I went to the notice board. The marks I got, me, I didn't deserve it, but it was there. Eh? It was there. Up to now, I have record in my in chemistry department. Mathematics for chemists, third year, 97%. When you are doing double differential, and it's not like I answered the question. So there were three full questions in the exams. I answered two and a half. No, I think I did two, two full questions. I didn't answer one full question. And the mid-semester, I got 17 over 30. Exams is 70. Mid-semester is 30. When you add 17 to 70, even if I got all correct, it doesn't add up. I had 97. It is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Multiplied grace. Uh, grow in the things of God. When we say come for retreats, come for meetings, come, come and grow. Amen. Amen. Now to my main argument. Why must we grow in grace? You see, when, 
One thing you should do when you're reading the Bible is ask a lot of questions. Ask the Holy Spirit questions. When I was reading 2 Peter 3.18, it's, it's not something that I had read the entire context. It's, it's one of the memory verses that I learned in Sunday school, so I always know it. But grow in grace. But when I was doing my study this time around, I, I actually realized that it's a weird way to end the chapter. What, were, what was he talking about? That he came to end, but grow in grace. That means there's something he's talking about initially. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving you how to study the Bible. Ask questions. Eh? If you don't come for Monday meetings, the Monday meetings, I've taken them through Bible school. They've done basic hermeneutics and homiletics. Ask them. You say that one is what? Come for Monday meetings, you know. <laughs> Tell them how to study the Bible. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> It's hermeneutics, the art of interpretation. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> somebody is locking it in his head, doesn't understand the body, I should be You're going to brag somewhere. <laughs> All right. So, how, how, why must we go in grace? And what was Paul's, what was Peter's argument before he ended there? So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll race through it and I'll give you some five concluding thoughts. Then we'll, we'll, we'll pray. All right. 2 Peter chapter 3. I don't know what's wrong with this put today. 2 Peter chapter 3. My screen is awful. All right. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this, the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that when existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which now, which are now, preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, the first thing that you must know is that in the last day, scoffers will come and mockers will come. This is the reason why. The environment is not conducive for growth. The, if you're a Christian, the environment we are living in today is not conducive for you. Eh? They are fighting everything that God has put in place. Right now, they are fighting whether or not we should kill babies or not. They are calling it abortion law. It's just murder. Eh? They are fighting whether or not. You see, human beings, we are, we are strangers. When God created, the Bible says, and God made man, male and female made he them. It was finished. When human beings decided to take over, and they say trans. They do it now they have transgender. Even in the transgender, they have queer. They have some. They have about sixteen different versions. When God made, He made two. You people, you say you want to take over. You have done more than sixteen. You are even confused as to what to call yourselves. See, says in the last day, mockers will come, and they will come saying, "Where is the promise of His coming?" See what Uncle Bijou was talking about? There's a man of God, so-called man of God in this country. He said that Jesus, if you come, he's not coming again. So if you eat, eat, and sleep, and enjoy life, eh, we go chop life. Eh, that, 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 is, <laughs> that, 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 is, that is where life has got into. That is the, the condition in which we are living. They said that Jesus, see I, see, I went for evangelism. That day I was startled. I went for evangelism. The guy told me that, share. You, you believe in God. If God was real, he should just open the heavens and look down. If everybody sees his face, they'll believe. Just say, what is the promise of his coming? He says, for since the fathers fell asleep, things remain as they are. 
says they remain as they are. All he's saying is that since the, the fathers of the church, they died. Jesus Christ, he's dead. He says he's coming. Peter who followed him is dead. Thomas, dead. James, dead. Paul the apostle came, dead. We go back some generations. Hey, the great man of God, Billy Graham, dead. Catherine Kuhlman, dead. So they have all died. Jesus, that's what they'll tell you. Those of you about to go into secondary school, those of you in the universities, this is why you're afraid to be tried because they want you to take your mind of the coming of Jesus to stay in the now. Let's enjoy life. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. <laughs> he says, but this one thing they are forgotten. Number two, point number two, judgment will surely come. He says that this one thing they are forgotten, that the earth, which was of old, formed out of water and on water was destroyed by water. You see, one of the things that I like about the Bible is that God gives us a narration of the past. Bible tells us in, I think, uh, is it Romans chapter 14, verse 3, it says that for these things were written for our example, that we through the comfort of scripture might have hope. When, when God gives you an indication of the past. He's giving you his track record. Let's look at the track record of God. He looked down. The world was evil. He destroyed it by water. Wiped up everything except Noah and his family. Who created the earth? God. Who destroyed it? God. He restored everything again. He's trying to tell you that I have a track record. Don't think that my patience, my not coming, is, is, is something that you should take lightly. I'm just giving you time to correct your issues. The Bible says, for, for no, the Lord, he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I think the verse number nine. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as men count slackness, but is waiting, is patient, that we come to repentance. If you read the verse number 14, he says that, know that the delay of the Lord is your salvation. It's your salvation. Theologians believe that it took between 40 to 120 years for Noah to build the ark. So for 40 to 120 years, Noah was an, an, enduring scoffers, scoffs. He was enduring mockery. Hey, bra Noah. <laughs> Ooh, it doesn't even rain here. You are building ship. Build canoe, canoe. <laughs> but God asked him to build his ark. Build the ark. Build up your Christian life. Your life, your Christian life, your life in Christ is your ark. That will protect you from the impending judgment. He says, build, build the ark. Noah was building. His sons would come, Ham, Jeff, Jeff, and what? Shem. They would come building the ark. Then Shem, uh, his, his son's friends would come, hey, mudi, mudi, So that you, when we are chilling on Sunday, you have followed your father to church. Church is for old people, come. But they today were wise. They helped their father build. They continued. See, moving from my father's church, it is our church. We have this place. It is our church. Let us enjoy church. Let us build our ark. Because the judgment will come. The only thing that is different is that God has promised he will not use water again. So, so he showed us that even without water, I can still destroy. He gave us another example, Sodom and Gomorrah. He wiped them out. Even the, his own people that he brought out of the promised land. The Bible says it's because of their own belief. Do you know the people that came out of the promised land? Eh, no, none of them entered except Joshua and Caleb. The people that entered were those that were born in the wilderness. So God has a track record of passing judgment. Don't ever beat your chest and stand there and say that, hey, hey. That's why some, 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 there's a sect of Christianity that believe that uh, God is too loving to send people to hell. When they say that, I say, you don't know. <laughs> don't know what's going on. <laughs> hey! Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to, his, according to his promise, look forward to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, in peace, without spot and blameless. Make it a point to be found in him when he comes. Make it a point to be found in him. 
That is why I am an extreme believer. I don't stay around the edges. It is dangerous. If you push me, I'll fight you. Because I want to stay here. It's the safest place to be. Just make it a point to be found in him. Here comes he strips naked. It is fighting against your being found in him. The boy says, I love you. You watch your age. Sent from the devil. I have to be found in Christ. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. Mm. Our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him as written unto you, as all hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist with their own distraction, as they do not rest. And they have come. Some preachers, they take the writings of Paul, and they've turned grace into a license to sin. You know, the carnal Christians and unbelievers, do you know their favorite scripture, that shall not judge? That's their favorite scripture. Some of you, carnal people, when you are in sin, you are doing the things that you are not supposed to do, and we talk, you say, yeah, condemnation, there is none, therefore no. They don't continue the scripture. He says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You are in the flesh, and you say, no condemnation. In the flesh, you're already, con- you're already condemned. He says, they twist it. Then, I, 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 there was a young guy, and he says that he's under grace. <laughs> under grace. They are masturbating, but they say, we are under grace. Hey, so the grace of God, we should worldly last. We should live righteous, sober, and godly in this world. If the grace that you holy does not help you live godly, it is something. It is not grace. Ye therefore, beloved. Okay, let me use my NIV here. Eighteen in the NIV version it says, "Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, and don't say I didn't warn you today, I've stood yet on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless, and fall born again." When we are in Christ, the Bible says we are translated from darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. We are lifted from and we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, far above all principalities, above all powers, above all rules and dominions. It is a secure of being forewarned. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless. Never let the, the error of the lawless. They are having sex. They tell you it's nice. So it is appealing. It is the error of the lawless. Lest you fall. 18, but grow in grace. So the counter to the things in this world that what will keep grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory. Grace of God be with you. I pray that today you will begin a journey of growth in grace. That you will move the grace of God that keeps you. The grace of God that keeps men. The Bible tells us we want to give our sins. Not only is he able to save us from sin, but the Bible says now unto him. That is able to keep you from falling from your secure position. And may you stay in your secure position because you would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and say, Pray, O God, that even as you have given me utterance, you would cause your spirit to work in the lives of these ones that have heard your words. Pray that quickens. Father, may you give life to these words in the name of Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name.